This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Just a heads up about tonight's episode, listeners. Um, we're in the middle of weight loss season. Uh, it's coming from all directions, including us tonight, because we're kind of looking at some of the really um, alarming examples of it that have been kind of coming up this month. So if that's not your vibe, not your jam right now, this might be an episode to skip. Uh, maybe go back to, um, I don't know, what's a fun episode we did a while ago? One of Thanks. our Valentine's Day episodes. Yeah. To get yourself ready for yeah. Binge Valentine's Day episodes uh, ahead of our upcoming Valentine's Day episode. Maybe instead of this, if you don't want to listen to some weight loss uh, discourse. Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast Evening Edition. My name is Michael Willer, and I'll be your chubby chaser <laughs> co-host for the evening. We're just chilling right now. We've got good oh vibes God. going on. It's seven. It's almost eight o'clock at night. If, if you have soft jazz ready to go in the background, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, this ain't gonna work. Don, bring us back up. Hey, everybody. My name is Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood, and today I am a well caffeinated late night boy. I am. I am Good. dosed up and ready to go. We are recording at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. That's a rarity for us. God only knows why. And we're bringing the energy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And uh, I had hoped to have like a nice cognac for tonight, maybe a martini. Ooh. Although I'm feeling more in a cognac mood. I uh I still may I still may pop up and get that. I'm just warning both you you all. Um, <laughs> we may have I to could, pause. I could cognac at any time. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's how I feel. I'm Trevor Kazon. I'm a super chub, and I am also an evening boy. I've got some mood lighting in my office. I've got some mood in my mood. Yeah. I am. Uh, Dan and I are leaving for our trip two or three a couple days from now as we record this. Um, so I am like. I'm a packing boy. I have lists. I'm checking it twice. I am <laughs> going to see who's naughty or nice. <laughs> um, well, uh, moving right along. Uh, thank you to our, our sponsor, uh, Bigger City. Uh, thank you to our patrons, the people support us on, supporting us on Patreon. I know words. I can say them. I say them <laughs> all the time, usually. Um, and I think our we're ta- our next mini-sode might end up being another Chaser Chat episode. Uh <gasps> which we've got coming up, which we're very excited for because that weekend will be the same weekend we record the Valentine's Day episode in person. So it's going to be just... And speaking of Valentine's episodes, <laughs> um, we are still taking your your questions. Uh, if you have any questions about uh, relationships, dating, sex, anything in that world, All uh, send them to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, we got some, some good, good ones. ones so far. Yeah. Uh, we're very excited to talk about them. We can always use more. If you would like, feel free to share uh, either like a voice memo recording or a video you can send to us of your question and we'll use the audio on the show and and you can be on the show and make a little cameo. Or or mm-hmm. or you can just type. We do accept yeah. written form. We do read on occasion. We have <laughs> mostly gotten written ones so far. So <laughs> <laughs> get on those videos, boys. Or All right, you. let's dive in. Doing a dance. It's really out of sync tonight. So we're bumping <laughs> into each other. <laughs> we're going in hot to pop culture tonight with a, a 
a story oh from boy. the BBC. This story came from a Simpsons meme group on Facebook that I'm part of. <laughs> really? That is how I found out about this. It is just like, <laughs> it was a Dr. Nick meme and it will make sense when we introduce it. Um, That's highly appropriate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so the BBC was doing some investigation about um, these uh, people are going to Turkey for weight loss surgery. And one of the undercover reporters uh, was told to eat and eat and eat to gain <laughs> enough weight to qualify for weight loss surgery. So the the I guess internationally accepted BMI minimum BMI to get uh, bariatric surgery is 35. Yes. But by, uh, by the way, it is lower yeah. other places. And we're still okay. using BMI. Yay. Of and course. of course, we're still using BMI. Well, how else would you be able to tell if somebody needed to, to surgically lose their weight? Well, I um, mean, it's for, it's for fashion anyway, so. <laughs> right. One of the points of the article, though, is at no point did the clinic actually weigh them or take their height. So they simply told the doctor anything they wanted to. And in some cases, they said 29. In some cases, they said 25. In some cases, mm. they said whatever. And But the point was, that the BBC is making is that, that at no point did the medical establishment check because it was irrelevant to them. Right. Yeah. Wow. What I found interesting was, so in this story, they then also talked to, uh, I'm assuming it's Jill. It's with a G, but let's say Jill, a uh, Jill Baird, who is, a uh, um, runs cosmetic surgery business in Glasgow and how she frequently turns people away. And like, they check the people's pockets because they will have weights in their pocket <laughs> when they weigh, they weigh them. themselves down with rocks in order to hit that BMI. Yep. Um, it's, this is a so lot. Smart. Also, there's so a, a link through to another BBC story in this, that the headline is seven UK patients died after Turkey, Turkey weight loss surgery. Yeah. Oh, but how many died in England is my question. It's not like they're, they're setting this up. Like it's this awful Turkish clinic. Whereas that, th or, or the point is that you can only do it if you look, it's happening all over the place. Yeah, and people it's medical die. tourism. We go to Mexico, we go to Costa Rica, they Brazil. just have to go to Turkey. But my point is it doesn't, you don't have to leave the country to get botched surgery. This happens all the time <laughs> in Western countries. Yes. But, but it's so much more fun when you get to attach a trip <laughs> to it. Yeah. And in order for like, you can only get botched uh, surgery as a thin person if you go out of the country. Someone who wants, mm. you know, is does not is not considered fat enough in the UK can be and, maimed if they go to another country. Oh, that's right. Unless you, I think one way he says it several times in this video, and one of the ways he was like, eat lots of snacks. The guy <laughs> in the video then. is very clearly there's something wrong with him. He like there's a some narcissism thing going on where oh. he's. His introduction. I mean, he's a is salesman. Like, You're so yeah. lucky. You get to be operated on by the most attractive man at the hospital. Is his introduction. <laughs> I just think it's so bizarre because so frequently, you know, fat people are told by like, well, in order to be, you know, for us to be willing to give you this surgery, we have to see that you'll mm -hmm. lose weight first, yeah. so Respond that we know you won't just, yeah. So like, people will have to lose something yeah. like you know, fifty, a hundred pounds, whatever. In, before a doctor will do the surgery on them. And it's just so weird. It is so bizarre. It is. I, I, I'm sorry. Is there, is there no one else? What really gets me is, yes, of course, they're performing the surgery under shady conditions. That happens a lot of places. That happens even in Western countries. But are we not going to talk about the fact that people who are thin are trying to get weight loss surgery? Why would we talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean... Um, but the fact is, any medical professional encouraging you to engage in a behavior 
in order to get a medical procedure seems like very bad advice. Well, especially when that behavior is counter to what the procedure is supposed yeah. to be doing. Like mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> yeah. we can give you the lung cancer stuff as long as you smoke another pack of cigarettes oh a day. You know, like, I, I don't know what the hell they're, I don't know. Well, again, I just, we need to look at who, who is wanting all this surgery. That's, and the motivator for wanting it. That's what's, in, that's what's important to me. The same people who are, you know, shelling out $1,200 a month to take Ozempic purely because they want to get thinner. Well, and I think that's the perfect transition point. Yes, it is. For our second article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bad vibes all around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually, so this piece this was- This one I just found interesting, really. This is a story from uh, the Washington Post, I think. It's an editorial. Yeah. It's, an edi- it's an opinion piece. But basically comparing the current push for um, Ozempic drugs and weight loss drugs as a quick, easy solution um, and comparing it to the pressure that parents receive- to give their young children uh, braces and or- orthodontia work. Right. So um, in orthodontics, you would, you would say to the parents like, oh, your kids need braces because they have crooked teeth, which will result in health, dental problems health down, problems. They, well, they say they're very yeah. vague. They say problems down the line. Which is <laughs> nebulous. Which what, is really referring more to ge- social pressure than medical pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, 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 it's, she referenced a study that said like that's really hasn't been proven that crooked teeth don't necessarily mean you're going to have dental issues. The, but her pressure that she felt as the mother in this situation yeah. was my kids have crooked teeth and they're going to look unusual and people will treat them differently because they don't look, you know, normalized in our society. And the parallel of course, is that, you know, they're currently researching whether or not a can be given to kids as young as six Mm-hmm. And the same kind of parallel can be drawn. Oh, well, your kid's a little chubby now, but down the road, they're going to be health problems. And so you may as well give them, you know, this drug now, shell out a bunch of money for it. Which puts you in this very weird situation of a parent is like being told you're a bad parent if you don't give these kids the social advantages later on that you're able. So mm-hmm. the same pressure as being applied to braces could conceivably being applied to parents with Ozempic. Uh, if Ozempic gets approved for younger children. Yeah, I, I do think there's one major difference here. And that is that when you give your kids braces, they have braces for a finite a period finite a period of time. Mm, yeah. When you go on Ozempic or, or Regovia or whatever, you're taking that now for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a huge difference. I think, which is why, you know, I remember still that NPR article, which was, uncharacteristically slanted for NPR about like kids are not getting enough weight loss surgery. Yeah. And the reason <laughs> I, and the reason I bring that up is because theoretically that weight loss surgery would be a one time thing like orthodontia, which makes you look better and, you know, might have some, might have some medical use down the line. We don't know. We don't care. But you know, meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, the, the, I like that the author of the opinion piece compares it to, you know, we're going to give you a nose job so you'll breathe better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should say the author is Kate Cohen. <laughs> we yeah. should credit the person who wrote it. Yes, indeed. Um, she also points out that this is not cheap. This is twelve hundred dollars a month until I mean, eventually, like you know, insurance and yeah, um, the article supposes the in the down. future it'll be balanced. You know, yeah, yeah, which is um, a good point because as it becomes more in demand, as it becomes more competitive, yeah. if you know, if you choose your insurance company based on whether you can get weight loss drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think the price will come down drastically. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but it's a very, it's a very in-depth look and she, you know, uses her own, um, experiences as a way of making the comparison. And I think it's a very, uh, I don't know, very, like very incisive 
look at the sort of potential dark future if we're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. I really just love because at the end, the kind of rhetorical question she leaves the readers with, you know, that says taking away your kids joy in food might be worth it. If your child is chronically ill and suffering, but if your child is just fatter than the world thinks they should be, how many parents are strong enough to resist? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, you say a dark day is coming, but actually Michael, I think we're there. I think really think we're there. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a short-term thing before this thing starts getting approved for younger kids. I, oh, if yeah. I recall correctly right now, it's approved for use into kids down to age 12. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here with this evening episode where everything is considerably darker, including the actual light that we're doing the episode. Yeah. I think that's but not Pat Watch is going to take us, take us into this light for at least a little help. <laughs> yes. Please go ahead. It's a Nighthawk tonight. Inhale. It's a cool breeze. We're having a good time. We're holding hands. Mm. It's a pure pan vibes, you know. Everyone's (laughs) looking up your your night skirt. (laughs) Fly over London. As you soar overhead. (laughs) Over Seattle, really. Um, Michael's got a top hat. I've got a teddy bear. (laughs) John's got an umbrella. I mean, Mike, I'm just on the floor barking. (laughs) (laughs) Nana. Um, Uh, Michael is the one with the teddy bear. I will point out. Not that I want the teddy bear. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Seattle fat con was, it was a rousing success. Um, We have an article in uh, mynorthwest.com. We have an uh, article written by Mickey Gamez. Gamez? Games? Games. I don't know. <laughs> Read it yourself and you tell me how wrong, wrongly I pronounce it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but FatCon apparently was just a, a really delightful experience, which, like, you know, we know this, um, but it's really important that people be able to have a space where, as she says, uh, I'm probably going to sit there and get emotional, but it made me feel so recognized mm-hmm. um, to have a place to mm-hmm. be, a, you know, a woman in a bigger body. And to feel normal and like you're around everyone else like you is, is a really big deal. And just to do a little recap, uh, FatCon is basically a convention where you have products, services, artwork, advocacy, all about fat. Fatness. And class, they said over 30 uh, classes or workshops. not classes, but workshops. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Is it associated with the one we talked about in Philadelphia last episode? They're, they're two separate things. The, the Philly thing, um, Philly FatCon, I think was not originally going to be a FatCon. I think it was going to be like a one-day thing, and it just kind of... Um, Ballooned. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to come up with a, a, not a fat pun, but I just kept... Expanded. Them, so. Ballooned, expanded, <laughs> blew up, um, <laughs> took over, and it was a uh, very... It's very cool to see, um, you know, we had the coverage in our first year of the episode we of uh, Philly FatCon. We have this now. I was hoping there'd be more coverage of this, but um yeah. I think part of why there was not was I guess there were some conservative news outlets that were trying to like get in and troll. Um but the Seattle chapter of Dykes on Bikes came and acted as security for the event, which I just I love that. Oh, oh my that's God. so amazing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I was trying to think of if there were like, you know, there's dikes on bikes and like, are there bears on some sort of bears on Vespas? Yeah. Vespa, I don't, <laughs> what, what, what are the bears? Cause I feel no, like, bear, like a bear is the best proxy for like 
for Dyke, and I don't know what transportation bear, b- b- buses bears on buses. I don't know. <laughs> Between those little Shriner cars. Oh, dear. Um, a different kind of bear, Don, different kind of bear. Oh, um, <laughs> no, I think, I think if you had a, a game mail event, you would still hire by uh, dykes on bikes. Yeah, yeah that would be true. I, I would actually, that that's who I would want the best security. <laughs> one of the things that it's not a pleasant fact, but one of the things I did read about this event was there was pushback. Um, and, you know, the standard, oh, they're advocating for bad health. Uh, <laughs> oh, I saw, people. I saw that dweeb. Yeah. Well, like, it this, was like, nice. conservative news. I don't know. Like, he was a, he's a dweeb. That's, but I, I have to say, I'm happy to see that happen because I'm happy to see the pushback against it, you know, against uh, what? Against, against that, uh, that ac- <laughs> accusation. Uh, I was they're, confused. They're, they're advocating for, for, for bad health for fat people. Um, because there was pushback and it's nice to see that, you know, pushback uh, against the pushback is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> I was, okay. I was having oh, trouble I'm following sorry. that. Yeah. We were, I we, was like, dog, I couldn't understand what you were saying. I couldn't yeah. understand what you were saying. It, it, just, yeah. it yeah. There was pushback against the pushback. Yes. Right. It gave uh, the people, the support. People were standing up against the pushback. and and pushing how many more times can we say pushback before one of us loses their fucking minds (laughs) Uh, okay well we've made an appropriate mess of that one uh we're zero for three how about we move on to our main subject yeah (laughs) so having talked about kids on ozempic and having talked about fat acceptance and all that stuff uh with uh fat con uh it's hard not to notice nowadays whenever you watch an awards show, there's one through line to all of the jokes being made about the audience members and it's Ozempic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, it's hard not to notice that there seems to be a push right now among the sort of like the celebrity class uh, of using this as a, a quick, easy solution, which is fine, but it also becomes this massive marketing push going out to the whole world about well, Ozempic. And there's also this this really cringy thing like, well, I lost weight the real way. I didn't yes. cheat and use Ozempic. Yeah. And yeah. There's a and weird you, shittiness about yeah, that. Yeah. It's really like, it, you know, it's not good enough that you lost weight like you're supposed yeah. to. You have to lose weight the right way. And I remember people this, used to say that about people getting gastric bypass. Absolutely. Too, it was somehow cheap and easy doing it exactly. that way. Exactly. Well, because if and you're not that, suffering, then yeah. what's the point? Oh, well, no, Michael, you're really right there because, you know, there's also like, for example, there is a drug that will clean out opiates from your system almost overnight. Like it's, you, you basically go to sleep, you wake up, you are opiate free. And the pushback against it is that it's too easy. Too, that too they easy don't of a suffer way. enough. They should they have to go through enough. a week of, yeah. of withdrawals of detox. before yeah, they're they, clean. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so there is all of, the, there's a lot of this going around. And then I think there is just the general thing of seeing, you know, on like, I know going through Instagram, just like seeing a lot of people who are smaller than they have been. And it's like, is, is there going to be an, like, is an Ozempic jump scare coming? Are they <laughs> sick? Like what, you know, just cause there's that like lizard brain thing. I think that a lot of a fat lizard brain thing that a lot of us <laughs> have, we're just like, we're like kind of bracing ourselves for some kind of something around you know, a fitness journey, a shedding yeah. for the wedding, a whatever nightmare <laughs> weight loss thing. And it's just like, 
trying to grant that person their being, but also not wanting to have anything to do with that if it is going to be <laughs> one of those situations. Right. So the the one of the sort of core things we're talking about going to this subject was like, you know, when you observe, like Trevor was saying, you observe someone who's clearly going through some weight fluctuations, seems like they may be losing weight substantially. And you're kind of in this space of, okay, do I stay tuned in knowing that this is normally somebody that I really like to tune into and support and whatever it is that we engage on? Uh, or it, with the risk of them coming out at some point and sliming me with whatever their, again, like, yeah, their weight loss crusade, if they have one, or are they going to just like sit on it and not say anything? And then you just have to kind of like sit and wonder, like, at what point am I going to know what's happening? Like, we, we kind of were talking about like the fat celebrity yeah. or the fat person that you support, you admire, who loses weight and you don't really understand like, I, I think what you're trying to say, Michael, is that it's one thing if they're, if they're, hey, they're thinner now and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then you might have feelings about that. And then it's another matter if their weight loss has become the subject or the theme of their Instagram, or it's become like, look what I did. Yeah. And that's, mm -hmm. and, and not, not that that's good or bad or wrong. It's just that that's different. And that's different if you are sensitive to the topic. I would argue that fat people online cannot go through any sort of body change without it becoming, especially yeah. if, they are, if they are a public figure, without it becoming the conversation. Oh, that, I whether they want it to or not. I, I think yeah. it's everybody. I think it's yeah. everybody. I think it's especially true of fat people, though. Like, if one of the things that people have defined you as, as part of your celebrity as being the, you know, fat, and that changes, that people zoom in on that like sharks to chum. Or if you gain weight yeah. and you're a celebrity, or if you gain weight and you yes. were just people liked you better before. It's it's all about, you know, do people like you better before or after? And that's about your weight for some reason. It's But yeah. to, to underscore it, like I, I think like some of these celebrities that have lost weight on their own, like Rebel Wilson, Jonah and Jonah Hill, specifically the ones I'm thinking of, like they weren't talking about their weight loss. They nope. weren't bringing mm -hmm. it up. They weren't trying to. Nope. Everyone came at them about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever their position was about it kind of got lost in the media hype around oh, there, it and the finger pointing at them. You know? There is an interview with Jonah Hill where the interviewer absolutely will not let go of this issue and trying to always bring it back to like, so do you think your do you think your career is over now that you lost weight? How do you feel now that you oh lost, like, God. and, and Jonah yeah. Hill was, is just kind of looking at, he starts looking at the crew going like, can we move on? Like, is this really what you want to talk about? Like <laughs> help, he has to, <laughs> he has to shut down the interview because the, the interviewer will not let go of it. Yeah. 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 It's kind of ridiculous. I remember do, uh, Trevor, do you remember the name of the actor who plays uh, the, the best friend in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies? Ned? Oh yeah. Oh, Jacob Batalon, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he ended up losing a lot of weight. Uh, I think it was around the time that they were shooting uh, no way home. Yeah. And then afterwards, and you can kind of see he's a lot smaller in no way home. Mm -hmm. And I think that I feel like that's a good kind of like, as far as somebody who loves to see like amazing fat people doing amazing things, taking actors as an example, like you want to see people kind of like in your community, right? Like you want to mm -hmm. see like, you know, representation. And there's kind of this weird mixed feeling where if somebody, you know, loses a bunch of weight, but they don't slime anyone about it. They don't make it this crazy thing. Like they're not being 
you know, aggressive or, you know, finger waggy about it. They're just doing, living their life. They lose weight, but then there's that sense of loss. Like, so, like somebody mm-hmm. who was a representative of, of, of the community who we got to see being a fat person is no longer there. And it's yeah, not yeah. that that's a terrible thing so much is it's just like, it's a complicated feeling. Well, and it's all, it's also how careers get affected. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think what, like, so in the case of Jacob Avalon, like, you know, he lost weight and whatever that people, people lose weight. He did not make it into like a, you know, I don't know, one of those very Look aggressive reels yeah. where it's like hardcore music. And then it's like, <laughs> and then I like punch my way through the the fat picture of me. Um, but it is like, I, I could not keep, I, I don't think I unfollowed him, but I think I muted the post because like every time he would post a new picture, all of the comments were like, yes, King, get it. You're like you lot, like it was just all commenting on the weight yeah. loss. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just can't, like, I don't want to see that under the picture. And that's a fair reaction. I, I remember with Rebel Wilson specifically when she was unveiled in her new thin body. Mm. I don't remember her bragging about anything, but I do remember a lot of news stories. New improved Rebel Wilson. Mm-hmm. Rebel Wilson reveals her amazing hot new body. You know, like all of these qualitative judgments coming from the outside world being pointed at her. Which, again, is making me feel like living in her old body, I am not acceptable, you know? And it's no coincidence that, you know, in particular, she's a woman and she's from Australia, I believe. And mm. you, so you have the Australian and the UK press who they feel it is their job to beat the drum on <laughs> weight and appearance. They, like, they got to keep that flame alive. They feel like that's what, that's what sells papers for them. You know? Well, the Australians' primary exports is hot blonde people, so they really <laughs> have to keep their, <laughs> their numbers up. Uh, <laughs> to, um, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting that came up uh, in our sort of pre-show call was the idea that when you have an identity of some sort, like I'm a gay man, right? That is a part of my identity. That's an unchangeable part of my identity. It's just who I am. And that is, in most cases, I would say with most kinds of identities, that is just it. It is just the truth about you, unchanging, or at least not something that anyone else can go in and like make different. And yet, the idea of fat as an identity and something that can change mm-hmm. over, you know, in a person, maybe somebody was thin most of their life and then they gained a bunch of weight and now they're in this new community and they have to grapple with like maybe not wanting to take on this identity but it's there whether they have it you know want it or not yeah or the other way around um losing access to a community potentially um if you lose a whole bunch of weight i mean i think also just like being a part of a community that you don't necessarily have any interest in being part of i think that's always yeah one of the weird things about discussing fat celebrities on the podcast is because Mm -hmm. there are people like I identify as fat and I never know what language some people use around their bodies. And Mm -hmm. in part of like my fat politic, like I think I will, you know, unless someone explicitly says, don't, you know, use fat to describe me. Like if, I don't know if, if Lizzo had written in and been like, I don't want to be part of anything called fat watch. Um, I mean, it used to be Lizzo watch, uh, but the point is, is like so often fat, you know, fat people in the public eye are thrust into this position of like, 
representing fat people because they are fat yeah. and they are public in the same way that like, you know, I think the reason there are a lot of closeted celebrities in Hollywood is because they do not want to have to represent gay yeah, people. They just people. want to try to be able to, you know, not be impacted by that identity. Yeah. Yeah. Fatness as an identity that is a social group you can be shoved into and not want to be there. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah I wonder, I wonder if we can shift it a little bit and we don't, we don't have to, but you know, there's a, there's a day to day of this. There's a day to day experience of, you know, you're on bigger city and somebody that you like has lost weight. Somebody you like has gained weight and, or you meet someone at an event or you meet someone at a goddamn party, right? There've been known to happen parties and you meet someone and they're like, yeah, you see, like, look at me, I lost 60 pounds. And they they are, it, the comment is meant to solicit a reaction from you, uh, a congratulations or something like that. And I, I think that's something we may not talk about enough is, is just the, the day-to-day interactions with people, either online or in person, when someone's body has changed and you don't know if they want to be noticed for it. Because sometimes I, they do. I don't know. I think a lot of the time, like I'm trying to think of an instance where someone has lost a lot of weight and it has not been a like <laughs> before, like I'm doing before and after poses like, or like, a <laughs> hell yeah, I'm, you know, killing it at the gym, whatever. Like, yeah. And I just think I would not necessarily comment on it, but that's just me. And I, cause I know like I have been very sensitive to those comments in the past. So I am inclined to like, not really comment in someone's body. Well, what way. do you do? What do you do if they present it in a way that you are being asked to comment? Yeah. Like, like it's expected. <laughs> like, I think you I tell would it, be you... like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool I mean, what I usually do, cause it's, they often, I'd often get said to me, like, like, you know, like, can't you see Dan? I'm part of your club now. And I'm like, and they want me to have a reaction. And I, I usually say something like, wow, are you happy about that? Yeah, that's what I say. Or I'll yeah. say, how do, like, do you feel good? Yeah, or, or it looks like, like you're happy about that. Yeah. Um, the, I, it doesn't happen often, but it has happened before. And my instant uh, reaction is to just, it's almost like that, that sort of, uh, you know, that, what was it like the, the verbal wushu we were talking about where you sort of deflect yeah, that's back so to the interesting. person. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that How was my first, when Dan was talking about it, I was like, can I use that? Like, <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, lost, well, yeah I, mean, you know, I lost 50 pounds. That's so interesting. <laughs> what it boils down to is like, we're all basically empathic people. If somebody's presenting something to you that they're excited about, you're going to be, you're going to try your best to be excited for them. They're doing something that they're happy with, right? Yeah, that's, but we that's have not but, that hard. But we might have an opinion about whether it's a good thing to be happy about it. I well, yeah, that's where I that's where my like so, like it, it sort of sets off my radar a little bit when it's like I don't I personally don't want to perpetuate the idea that losing weight is good. It like go lose weight if you want to lose weight. That's fine. I'm not saying it's bad either. Yeah. I, it, it just is. You just lost weight. Mm-hmm. Great. Like that's your thing. That's what you did. I don't want to like build because this, as soon as you say losing weight is good, the implication is that gaining weight is bad. And yeah, I don't want to perpetuate that ever. I, I but would you say, feeling good about yourself is something we can perpetuate. If you come to me with sure. bright pink hair and I think it looks God awful, but you're happy with that about it. I'm still going to be happy for it. How are you for you? 
Sure. I am just going to be, the, I don't know, the resident maybe sourpuss here and be like, I, I feel like when someone posts their weight loss pictures and like before and after stuff, it is kind of the same feeling that I have when my cousin posts pictures with her gun where I'm just kind of like, <laughs> that's, like that's great for you, but I want no part of this. And I'm just going to keep clicking like, yep. And scrolling like, cool. I don't, yeah, I don't have anything to say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I necessarily have to be happy for anyone's journey, but I'm not going to like be like, I think that's stupid. I think your picture with your gun is stupid. I'm just going to kind of think that and try not to be too big of a sourpuss. <laughs> if you know, she's like my, co- I mean, if my cousin ever was like, here's my gun, I would be like, no, thank you, please. I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> but I will, I, I would try to not have that reaction if someone was, you know, at a party and talking to me about their weight loss and everything that like it entailed. Well, what I like about the question, like, Oh, is that, are you happy about that? Or did you do that? Was that deliberate? What I like about the question is that it does interrupt the automaticity of weight loss equals good. The thing that Michael yeah. was talking about. Yeah. And the question actually gets them. And then what I, when I, what's happened when I say that, when someone has, again, they've asked me, they've, they've solicited a response in some fashion and like they're, they're, they're they want affirmation. They want validation mm-hmm. of what they've just been through. And by asking the question, it's really funny because what passes across their face is this look of like, what do you mean? This, it, it interrupts that automaticity. It makes them stop and think about it. And again, it's not that I'm yucking their yum, but just like, oh, I didn't realize I had a choice of reaction. I didn't realize I had a choice about whether losing weight is good or bad. Like people, cause people don't think of it that way. They think of it as a given, like from the universe. Well, and it re it refocuses the conversation somewhat onto, as Don's pointing out, what actually matters, which is, I mean, if I care about you as a person, I'm happy that you're happy. I'm not happy or anything that you've lost weight. I don't really care. If you're happy right now, you feel good about your life. Great. Thumbs up. And the question is like, Oh, are you happy about that? That immediately shifts it into how do you feel as a person? Mm -hmm. That's what I actually care about. Yep. And I'm, I'm not going to perpetuate the idea that, you know, losing weight makes you good slash happy. I think that is a great way to be able to reframe it because so often <laughs> I am just like, I really don't want this to turn into a pitch <laughs> about mm-hmm. whatever, like, I don't care about keto. I know that <laughs> I, I know you can eat all the egg, be- eggs. Have and you bacon heard you the want. gospel <laughs> of paleo? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and making I- your own mayo. <laughs> yeah and i also think that because usually uh, a lot of times what follows up is of course healthism that well of course it's good because and then they start trotting out their health statistics and again i found myself in the position again i don't want to start an argument about health and nutrition i am not i really don't want to have this conversation right now with this person uh, and so I'll just say like oh well that's a really good that's a really interesting approach to your to that problem then like, I'll just say, oh, what an interesting approach. Or like, I'm yeah. glad you found an approach that, for that that works for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And just I, it always, that, it's, that it's not the only thing they could have done, you know? It just keeps coming back to, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like taking a little sip of your drink. Or, or like, I'm glad you found an approach that works for you. I am imagining Dan saying that as the like Kermit Lipton tea meme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so glad that works for you. 
but yeah. that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can a fat person who has lost that weight still speak to fat issues or do they lose that right to talk about it? Oh, that's oh. a big thing. That's a big thing. Like Jonah Hill, if he loses all, loses all his weight, he's still going to be asked questions about the role of fatness in Hollywood the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. But I think having been different sizes gives him more credibility on that issue. I think what what Trevor and I were groaning about is that if you are a fat activist, if you are someone who has been on the forefront of fat activism and and all of this, and then you lose weight, uh, there is a definite sense that you have... You've you've abandoned the cause, uh, and it, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that, that there's a perception out there that I think one of us was talking about, where it's it's you know you're no longer a member of our club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's I think in that case it really just kind of de- I think there's so much that it depends on because I think in kind of the cases that make me groan, those people are not going to really have any interest in fat activism anymore because people lose weight for all kinds of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's a lot of fat activists who have been all kinds of different sizes throughout their life. And, you know, in old age, they're at the smallest they've been, they're at the largest they've been, but it's still just, you know, there's so much dedication and passion that I think like, the instances and where that question comes up, those people are not really interested. Like they, they're, they don't want to sit with us anymore. Yeah. I I think (laughs) it's that, you know, I've finally gotten out and I, I I don't want to have to worry about this ever again. And so you, you know, you sort of leave it all behind is what can happen. And it's in that always happens or even necessarily should, but Hmm. um, yeah. And there's a sensitivity to like, okay, well you've lost weight. You've walked away from the community. You don't identify as fat anymore. So should you still get a say, even though you used to be fat? I mean, yeah, that's, that's a huge deal. And I mean, I, Trevor and I know people who are definitely in that position. Like they, they feel like they don't have a right to say what they used to be able to say because they're not the same size anymore. And they feel bad about speaking up at their new size. Mm -hmm. So there's a loss on both sides. I I think in like the case of, let's say, you know, you are a supersized person who is not anymore and you have been through whatever journeys you maybe were a fat activist and then you weren't and you are i think you if you have come back to that space or if you never left that space you probably have the awareness to be able to speak to your you know the past instance of being that larger person but also recognizing that you don't necessarily speak to that experience currently yeah. And that you should lift up those voices because you know the the disparity of that and that you can speak to the spectrum of it. Right. Yeah. I think there's just a necessary sensitivity and like, like <laughs> none of this would matter if being fat weren't such a terrible, terrible crime in our society. Like <sighs> nobody would, it just wouldn't matter. Like you could lose weight, you could gain weight and nobody would care. And so, Exactly. I mean, to make an analogy, can you imagine... If, you know, there was a whole group of left-handed people and some of them started using their right hand and there was all this talk on social media of why have they started using the other hand? Of course it wouldn't happen because it's, it's being left-handed is no longer stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. But be, being ambidextrous is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giving oh, you, do you a really, little, oh, come one. on. Oh, come on, Trevor. Do you really believe anybody is really ambidextrous? <laughs> <laughs> 
I I see you, bisexuals. <laughs> our, our, our bi listeners yeah. are, are spitting <laughs> out their tea. I'm putting my Rage. hand on the glass. <laughs> um, I, I think it's gonna. We're in for a hell of a year. I think there's gonna be a lot of cool things and a lot of really awful things. So it's the salty Look, listeners. The sweet. We've had a little too much fun this year already. We had to do a downer episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Valentine's Day is coming. Do we That's have right. a tip today? Oh, we do have a tip. If you want to see a fat celebrity, maybe uh, you're just tired of uh, Instagram. You want some feel good. I mean, I actually can't say. I would uh, check out the trailer for Crazy House, the new Nick Frost movie. It looks truly Crazy. bonkers in the best way. Nice. It is, and I always okay. like Nick Frost. He's always a fun person. Imagine the trailer is very short, but imagine it like an old school, like '90s classic, like uh, sitcom. You know, like like sitcom with an audience. He's like the fat sitcom dad doing everything comically wrong, mm-hmm. and everything's just spiraling and out of control, out of control. The hell house is being destroyed by his shenanigans, and finally, he just sort of snaps. And it goes from sitcom to horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> this is the this is the movie that they've made. It's a little hard to tell what to expect because again, the trailer is really short, and it's basically, I think, just one scene condensed, or maybe just like the inciting incident condensed down. Uh, but it's Nick Frost, and he looks hilarious and amazing. He's always amazing. I think he's doing a Southern accent. Is that right? Well, he's doing it. He's certainly American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, for some reason, the conceit is that he's American. By the way, the filmmakers, I think, are, are from the Netherlands. But it's, it's their first <laughs> English language thing. And uh, the, he is, uh, Nick Frost plays a Christian dad, which was apparently very important to them. Oh, huh. I, didn't, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. Yes. I am just loving this kind of like new genre of um, exploding sitcom world. Like we had it with WandaVision. Mm-hmm. WandaVision, uh, yeah. The show yeah. Kevin Can Fuck Himself, which actually was like very good. I was that was, I was not prepared for it. Um, and now <laughs> Crazy House. Everything's spelled with a K, by, by the way, yes. if you decide to search for it. Although I'm sure it will still come up if you hit Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. Um, in which yes. there is no K. In which there. <laughs> do we have a bit, Don? We do have a bit. All right. So since we were talking about people's perceptions of sizes today, um, I, I thought we'd take a moment to think about how inaccurate we tend to be in our observations about size and space. And it's amazing how far off we can be. We just, it's hard for us to grasp these things sometimes. So today's questions all deal with measurements or time and sp- like distances or volume, that sort of thing. Um, so, we know that there is a lot of space in space, right? <laughs> so between the earth and the moon, there's a good distance. There's a pretty good distance. You can fit a lot of stuff in there, all right? Um, which of the following could would fill the most space between the earth and the moon without going over, right? <laughs> without overfilling it, okay? Okay. One, all of the planets in our solar system. Two, 10 planet Earths, three, 20 moons, or four, three Saturns? I think my instinct is 20 moons, but yeah. there's a there's 20 a reason. moons distance between the Earth how, and the moon. What, you, how, what, you, what was the Earth one? How many Earths? Uh, 10 planet Earths. 
That's... Like, cause if you imagine like if the moon were to take up your full field of view, like if it was at your position and then you made it 20 times smaller, wouldn't it be about the size of a quarter or is that not far enough away? Well, it's pretty small, Michael. I know if I put my thumb up, I can block the moon completely. Yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> no, that can't be right. It must say... be more distance than that. No, I think, see 20 moons. Um, I'm going to um, say 20 moons cause 20 moons that makes my head hurt. No, okay. I'm going with the 10 Earths. You got 10 I think, Earths, Michael? I think 10 Earths. I'm changing my answer. I think 10 Earths. All right. Yeah. When I said it out loud, it didn't sound right. The 20 moons part. The correct answer is, in fact, all of the planets in our solar system. What? Fit between really? Earth and the moon at its longest, at its longest uh, orbit. At its apogee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I, I found that pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, it gives you an idea of just like how big you the could spaces fit are we're talking Jupiter about. between yep. the Earth and the moon and still have room for every other planet in our solar system. That is correct. That is according to uh, Wikipedia, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our planet supports over 8.7 million species. Okay. One way we measure how dominant a species is, is by its biomass. Okay. Biomass means how much carbon that species, that, that individual creature has in its body, and then uh, spread across the entire species is the species biomass on Earth, okay? Um, what individual species on Earth has the most biomass? One, cattle. Two, humans. Three, the Antarctic krill. Or four, ants. <clears throat> I think ants, if I understand correctly, this is, this is not a good evening bit for my brain. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm like thinking I'm going to say ants. the science. Yeah. I mean, if it had been a choice, I probably would have chosen uncles, but I think I'll go with ants. Wah, wah, wah. Okay. We got two for ants. A ants. The correct answer is in fact cattle. Cattle has over 520 megatons of uh, biomass on earth. Uh, humans come in at 350. Krill come in at 379. They beat us. Ants are at 12. But for some reason, we're always talking about ants as being like this massive biomass on Earth. I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. Weird. Um, we've dived into our science for the day. We've been good. Now we get our dessert. All right. Um, and of course, when we're talking, oh, oh, actually, this is a very bad intro because I, I'm trying to segue into a question about semen, right? So dessert, probably not the best thing. I <laughs> All right. But I'm just going to boil it down real quick. What size container would you need to capture the majority of a blue whale's ejaculate? Right? How much semen does a blue whale produce? Oh, that it's is a lot. Question. I know it's a lot. Okay. Like it's like an, an insane amount. Would you need an ice cream pint container, a milk gallon container, an office water cooler tank, or a children's pool? I mean, children's I think pool. it's a children's pool, but I thought I thought it was more than that. I thought mm. it was like like something like I I think a children's I mean, pool. I'm going to go with the, the water, the water cooler. Would you say the water cooler, five gallon water cooler? Yeah. An office, office water cooler tank. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to okay. say that. So we yeah, got one I... children's pool, one water cooler tank, Michael. Ch uh, children's pool. Okay. We yeah. got two children's pool. Dan, you know, your semen, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> well done. Well done. It, it, uh, a whale is estimated to produce 5.4 gallons of semen per ejaculation. There you go. Ugh. 5.4 gallons. Enough to drown in. That's right. You turn yeah, that upside yeah. down, you put a spigot on it, and there you got a water cooler. <laughs> that is a volume I would not have guessed. So, dear listener, if you are collecting whale semen, 
and you want to tell us about it, Trevor, where could they do that? Well, we're well, on well. Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars on your preferred <laughs> podcast listening platform. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Oh, side note, uh, not that this really matters that much, but uh, apparently um, uh, Google Podcasts is shutting down in the next few months and they are switching over to YouTube Music. Uh, so if you happen to listen on Google uh, and that's that's where you'll find us, YouTube Music. Maybe you're you're in the future and you haven't listened to the podcast yet you're scrolling through youtube music and you see the big fat gay podcast <laughs> and you click on it so now you're listening so and if you very click on this moment. episode watch the podcast. <laughs>